So hi, everybody, and a warm welcome to episode 141 of Level Up 60 Minutes, of course, of live Q&A, where your questions really do drive the show. We have um, uh, Adriana, I think, and uh, Ella over in the chat, or it may be Shanice, actually, this morning. We'll see soon. And please do introduce yourselves to them if you're watching online, and also let them know the city, please, from where you're joining. That would be really great. Just type those things into the chat. They're going to post some links um, so that you can vote up the questions that you would most like answered. And of course, importantly, so that you can add your own. If your question is selected, well, we're going to put it into the panel and uh, your name will then appear in the credits at the end of the show. So do get yours in early and stay tuned so that you can see all of that happening. Today, we're going to be talking about questions around leadership and in particular, how to lead change in an organization. Now, this is much more, of course, than just simply being an individual contributor as part of a transformation project. And um, so we need to kind of figure out what are the specific qualities of leading change? What do we expect and how best can we prepare ourselves for that task? I'm delighted to be joined today by an expert panel who can really help us explore the topic. So let's jump straight in and meet them all. And um, first of all, lovely to introduce you to Lauren Farinas, um, who is developing her career over at One Signal with creativity and real flair. Gaining cross-industry experience, Lauren has taken up the challenge of studying and gaining her change management certifications. And I think it's fair to say that she is passionate about people, and this passion has led her to co-found the Change Management Collective. So welcome to Level Up, Lauren. Lovely to see you. Thanks so much. I'm super excited to be here once again, and I'm really looking forward to today's discussion. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. Chris Bevan joins us. He's the executive chairman and partner over at Provac here in the UK. In his career, he's led complex change and transformation programs pretty much all around the world, really, the UK, the US, across Europe, and so on. And he leads by example. Um, he heads up his own change consulting practice. He's a mentor with Syriza, and um, really good to have you back on Level Up. So welcome, Chris. Good, good to see you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, uh, thanks for the welcome. Looking forward to a lively discussion. They usually are on a very, very important topic. Absolutely. That's certainly true. Yeah. Ron Lehman is the founder, of course, and the owner over at the Highway of Change, where he delivers a range of one to one and small group services to help people cut through the rhetoric and really focus on addressing real issues in real time. He is, of course, a regular contributor here on the Level Up panel. So welcome back, Ron. Lovely to see you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. It seems like I haven't been on level up series for ages but then it's only been a few weeks i think but i'm glad to be back <laughs> okay oh it's lovely to welcome you back as well ron uh, mark rovers is of course the president over at interprom and uh, who deliver positive outcomes through their consultancy coaching and education programs with clients across the us and europe interprom i think it's fair to say bring passion and engagement to every project welcome back to level up mark great to see you Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you very much, uh, very much, APMG, and uh, thank you everybody for joining. I'm delighted to be among such a distinguished panel, and I'm looking forward to answering all the questions coming up. Thank you. 
All right, excellent. And uh, I can already see quite a few folks joining us online. Uh, Sophie and Mary, um, welcome both uh, to both of you um, from the team here. Joining us today uh, and completing our on-camera team is um, Suchitra Jacob. She is, of course, our question master for today, and she's joining us from Bangalore in India. Um, hi, Suchitra. How are you today? Back again. Uh, sorry. Ah, oh, there we go. Good to good to have you back again. Good to have your audio back again as well. So that's really good. <clears throat> Excellent. Thank you so much indeed. Um, well, look, we've got a lively um, event um, already building, so I think we should jump straight into it, Sachita, if we can, and let's have our first question for the panel. All right. To start us off, we have our first question from Falco Werner, who, who asks, why do we talk about change leaders? Isn't life always changing? So what's the difference between a leader in general and a change leader? Okay. All right. Ron, why don't you start us off on this one, please? <laughs> uh, yeah, life is changing all the time, as is work. But changes in life are slightly different than changes at work. Um, because changes in life, you actually make the decision yourself, so the change is far easier. Um, because you've made that decision, changes at work have been made on your behalf, so it's a little bit more difficult. And I think the situation there is that you need somebody to actually lead that change at work because it is not actually you yourself that's instigated it. Um, what's the difference? I'm not really sure there's much of a difference. A leader is a leader. I think the, the, the leader at work the difference will be that they are leading a specific change that has been foisted upon their organisation. Um, and I think, you know, that probably the main difference. Thank you very much. I think you make a really good point there about changes which we bring about through our own volition and those changes which are generally being imposed kind of upon us or at least initiated by others um, rather than ourselves very good um, thank you so much uh, Chris your thoughts please and then we'll hear from Lauren yeah great great question Farco um, I'd say that um, organizations are complex systemic beings things um, and change in organizations have knock-on effects right across that organization uh, leaders of the business or leaders of the organization um, have a certain focus, which is delivering today or delivering in the medium term. Um, and change has to take place while delivering business as usual. These are two things that have to happen simultaneously. And if you like, change then transition, the organization transitions into the change. But we've also got to be very clear about what we mean by change. Uh, in my sort of career, we've developed sort of three levels of change. There's continuous improvement, which is when your current operating model supports your strategic ambition, but it needs to be more efficient. Then there's, there's one-off change or, or sort of major change when the current operating model supports the ambition that needs to be more effective. Then there's transformation, which is the current operating model does not support your ambition and you need to transform it. Now, these are complex um, sort of things that have to be done uh, and somebody needs to own that change and orchestrate that change right across the organization. If you're leading the business today, you can't also lead that change or that transformation at the same time. 
That's such an important thing, isn't it? We see organisations who take the approach of tapering from the current state into the future state with small incremental kind of changes. And we see other ones taking what could be described as, as bigger steps, you know, more in, more um, transformational leaps, if you like, um, at certain moments during a transformation programme. So we might come back to, you know, which works well in what circumstance a little later. Uh, Lauren, your thoughts on change leaders. Yeah, so in this regard, I don't believe that leaders and change leaders are interchangeable, let me put it that way, um, just because leaders aren't necessarily always attuned with change initiatives. And because of that, we have probably all experienced changes in professional settings uh, without a change leader in place. And too often enough, um, not only are these changes often rolled out like too soon or are under-communicated um, or even badly executed to be completely transparent, but also result in negative repercussions and high employee fluctuations. At least that was my experience so far when this has taken place. And a change leader in that sense is equipped with the tools and methodologies which have qualified them. And because of this, they are able to successfully execute these change initiatives. So I believe with the proper guidance and help and the reasons as to why is this happening, why is this necessary, I think this is why uh, change leaders should be in place in many companies for these change initiatives to take place. I, I think you make a really good point about, you know, just because you're good at leadership doesn't necessarily make you equally effective as a change leader. And I think we've seen evidence of that recently with very well-known personalities who are heading up um, innovative tech organizations. And, and then they acquire another business. And then it seems to go horribly wrong very, very quickly. So I, I think that you're right. You can be truly amazing and inspirational in one leadership setting and then equally out of your depth in another. And that is the fascinating element, I think, of organizational change. It's not a mechanical cog-based machine where you turn a handle at one end and something transformational pops out at the other. There seems to be something that happens in the middle to unnerve and dis almost um, uh, disrupt you know, that process. Uh, Mart, you've done a lot of coaching for, of leaders around the world. What are your thoughts on this? Right. Well, indeed, while you might expect that uh, any leader uh, mm -hmm. has some of these skills or has uh, a lot of background in, the, in, in leading organizations uh, through change, it's not an automatic uh, assumption, obviously. And um, so important then that these leaders reach out to the experts and have them, you know, have the experts join to help the organization leading through a change. It's um, it's a very uh, common combo, so to speak, combination of uh, as in a leader that is then joined with a change leader, so to speak. And you just hope that eventually, you know, any leader has more of these skills. Um, but it's not always a given. And while you may expect that, uh, yeah, don't assume. Okay, you shouldn't assume. Absolutely, absolutely right. Don't assume. And the other thing that I would suggest on that is reach out to those person, to those people who are in the C-suite. You know, who are identified as leadership as leaders rather by the organisation, and just 
you know, quietly kind of help them, you know, almost lift their elbow just a little bit, you know, and, and engage proactively in that because it's very, very important. Very good. Excellent answers. And what a brilliant um, set of questions. Uh, very well done, Falco, for sneaking in three questions in one um, there to the panel, getting your money's worth right off the bat. Um, I would expect nothing less, my friend. Really good indeed. So let's have a quick look over on social and see who we've got joining us from around the world. Um, uh, Sarab. So Rabadin, uh, thank you so much. Um, apologies, I'm trying to get my brain in gear today. Um, thank you so much for joining from uh, Indonesia. Uh, be great to know the city that you're in um, as well. Thank you so much. Uh, lovely to see Indonesia being represented today. And um, Namdi as well um, from Abuja in Nigeria. We've got quite a strong following now actually in Nigeria. So really good to have you um, online, my friend. Thank you for joining us. And um, over to uh, Wolverhampton, the wonderful city of Wolverhampton um, with uh, a lady, okay, um, who is joining us from there as well, which is really great to see. I think we can take one or two more um, if we have time before we jump to the next question. Um, Sophie is uh, relatively close actually to Wolverhampton, also in the Midlands. Um, she is joining us from uh, the wonderful city of Nottingham um, in the UK. And we also have Mary joining us from not too far from where I am, actually, in the Thames Valley, from Reading. Okay, excellent. Let's move on then, if we can. I can see the questions are beginning to stack up. So if you do have a question and you're online, just type it into the chat and Adriana or Ella will pick it up and bring it into the panel. So Chitra, next question, please. Question from Daniel in Sydney. Should you communicate change led by senior managers as a result of a strategy change differently to an organizational change in response to an external event? All right. So it's this kind of internal planned. We're tweaking and tuning our strategy. So therefore, we can see it coming to a certain extent, versus something which is happening externally to an organization where the market is changing or the regulatory environment is evolving or you know, there's something externally being driven. Um, just in the news this week, we've seen uh, financial services organizations needing respond to respond rather to external market pressures. And that's bringing in tremendous pace um, of change. So perhaps uh, I think one of the things to consider is that um, pace may vary tremendously, okay? Um, in order to be able to meet the requirements of external stakeholders, you may be needing to work at a different level of pace, if you like, um, if those events are being driven externally rather than internally. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? I, I think this is a lovely connection to the last question. Um, communication is, is such a, a complex sort of area that you need experts to work out the strategy for communication. And the communication will change, not necessarily by the type of change, but by who you're trying to communicate to and what the message is that you're trying to communicate. Um, you know, whether it's you know, usually change is kicked off by a town hall meeting where the chief executive has a deck of 70 slides and just tells everybody what's going to happen. But change has to be, a communication has to be transmitted in a mode that people will receive it and people will receive on different frequencies. Um, so it's not necessarily on the scale of the change, 
in my experience and my opinion. It's what message you're trying to get out to whom and what you want to do them to do with the message you're trying to deliver. That's what drives how you communicate, not what the size of the change is. Thank you very much. It is it's such a good point, isn't it? That stakeholder engagement element. You know, it depends who it is your audience is and who are you trying to talk to. You know, that could well be, yeah, good point. That could well be the thing, the thing, if you like, that shapes those comms. Uh, Ron, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I uh, Communication, I fully agree um, about the complexity of communication nowadays with all the different channels we've got, um, the different levels of um, detail we can go down to. You know, if, we, if we want to send something by email or whatever, then there's another level of detail if we're sending it by a chat app or whatever. But I picked up some interesting um, research the other day um, about um, how stakeholders would like to be communicated to. And apparently, apparently, 75% of stakeholders prefer business leaders, that's CEOs, executive managers, whoever sponsor, to be the preferred sender of organizational messages. So the organization is changing or this is changing, etc. However, on the other side, 70% of stakeholders prefer supervisors. So of their, their supervisors to be the preferred sender of personal impact messages. So there's a clear, clear um, um, relationship there that, you know, about who the sender is yeah, and who they should be sending messages to. It, it is an important um, thing to be able to have your line management um, working with you and marching in step with you. So. If you're announcing significant change that, that has not yet been cascaded and understood through a management organization, you have to accept that you need to move pretty quickly to fulfill that gap. All right? If, on the other hand, you brief the managers ahead of briefing individual contributors, then you risk losing some of the um, impact, if you like, of the communication, and you can end up feeling with some people being left out, and you know that that they play an important role as an individual contributor. And why did these people know this before me? And all of those kinds of things. So, I'm not suggesting that there is an ideal way of doing this. It's just a necessary part to humanise the messaging, so that you have your immediate line manager is going to be the person that you're going to talk talk to on a more perhaps personal, you know, basis about what the impact of the change could mean for you. Um, Lauren, what are your thoughts on this? I absolutely agree with what you've just said. In addition to that, I find, especially when you're communicating these changes, um, I've seen companies do something interesting where, let's say you have a specific channel that you communicate to your employees to, let's say, via a, a weekly newsletter, and suddenly they communicate this over a completely different channel, which is totally new to the employees, where they're just like, uh, I didn't see this communication. Where was this? And they're expecting the employees to kind of be aware of different channels that are actually not properly in use um, within the business itself. So I think it's also incredibly important to communicate these changes over the actual used channels within the organization itself, because every organization communicates differently to their employees. So based on that, I wouldn't suddenly change it up to an email if they've 
uh, received it over chats or newsletters or anything like a bulletin board or anything like that. So I think that is incredibly important. And also the frequency of these changes being communicated, because once it's under communicated, you can't just expect employees to be like, oh, okay. So in the next three months, this is going to happen because everyone's in their working life and people tend to, oh, well, everything's going the same way as it is. So this change, you know, you need to continuously like promote this change is happening and also basically, um, yeah, be like an advocate for this change, whether as a line manager or as change agents even. It's such a good point. And, and nowadays we have the ability to embed rich media in so many different messaging platforms. It's, you know, it was the case to Chris's point uh, in the past, you would have, you know, senior leader, you know, announced to everybody at the same time. So everybody would be in the town hall meeting, either physically or virtually, everybody would hear the same message at the same time. There's real merit in setting out your flag, you know, staking your flag in the ground, saying, this is the direction of travel. This is what we're going to do. And this is what our expectations are of everybody. But then you also have these more informal networks within organizations and, you know, people to whom colleagues will look to to guide they they act almost rather like a sailboat you know they they act at, they, they act effectively as the as the as the surface below the water that stops the sailboat from being pushed sideways and actually allows the sailboat to travel in the right direction there are people in every organization who act in that role and provide that continuity and that certainty for their colleagues and um, mark final thoughts on this and then we'll move on just quickly um i'd like to in, uh, insert in this in these great answers by the way um the whole idea as far as the external communication and get media involved uh, my mind immediately went to um, this this crisis mode that you're in where in the strategy change, you may have all the time to prepare and get all the, the right message and, and and so on but in when there's an external event and there's a crisis going on, you know, there's much shorter communication lines. Maybe um, you have your your A team involved in getting all the, the messaging out internally, externally, and even more, as I said, with the media involved. That uh, this whole different ball game, so to speak. When there's this uh, external event, you have to respond to it uh, right away. So um, the, the the timing and the time aspect is, uh, I think, totally different in the in these scenarios. Um, you're so right. I remember um, during uh, the crisis that was um, caused by, do you remember when um, a certain oil company drilled a hole in the Gulf of, of Mexico and ended up yep. you know, with all the oil leaking out? And at one point yep. during that crisis, the leader of that organization said that he would, he would he sincerely hoped that he could have a bit of time off over the weekend or something like that. He'd had bit of a hard week and it was the most inept <laughs> the most inept thing a very human thing to say i have to say you know it's very human thing to say but not possibly the best way to manage your external and stakeholders who are looking at livelihoods <laughs> and huge you know natural impacts on the environment and so on and so on and so on you know just to say i'm a bit tired and i want to go home now 
probably not the right answer to give just at that moment. I am paraphrasing, by the way. I, I'm sure that it was said more eloquently than I have just remembered it. Yeah. All right, very good. Thank you, Mart. Really good points. And what a brilliant question, Daniel. Thank you very much indeed for uh, putting it to us. Internal plan versus external imposed um, two very different sets of circumstances. Thank you very much indeed. So, Chitra, I can see the chat is really active, so I think we should press on. Let's take our next question, please. The next question is from Charlotte in Manchester. Where should I start to become a change leader? Okay, Ron, where should we begin to start thinking about how do we, you know... From where you are now. If you like. Um, yeah, from where we are now, yeah. From where exactly you are now, because I guarantee you that you are involved in change now. Might not be formal change. Yeah, you might not be involved as a leader, but you are involved in change. And it's important that if you are involved in change is to soak it up, soak it all up, because you will then get the um, necessary understanding of what change is all about. Yeah, And that is what you need. As a first starter, you need to understand change before you can become a change leader. Um, so soak up. The fact that you are involved in change straight away, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah? People would all, always ask you to do something else that is different from what you're doing now. Soak it up, understand it, understand that this is change, and then develop that through to becoming a leader. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Chris, your thoughts? Um, I'll, I'll give a personal example. My route into change really came from, I started off um, mainly sort of in project management, moved into program management, got so frustrated when we were mainly delivering technology, but we weren't delivering and on the business case that was set X months, maybe year, years previously, uh, which set me on a journey of finding out why. And it was generally that uh, lots of organizations didn't understand change. They didn't understand uh, there was a cultural element to it, there was a people element to it, there was an organizational structure element to it, and how complex getting change. It wasn't about implementing the system, it was about transitioning to a new context, to a new environment. Um, and so that, that's been a, a nearly a 30-year journey for me, and I'm still learning. So where should you start? As Ron said, start from where you are. Um, but start from trying to understand if change isn't happening, that, I mean, people like McKinsey and, and Bain, they produce a report every two years and they, they alternate. And the same thing comes up. 70% of major complex change programs don't work. And that's been happening for the last 30 years. So for goodness sake, you know, if we've got to understand change before we can start to lead change, before we can start to implement and transition to whatever the change, change is, yes, as Ron said, start from where you are, but learn understand what real change really is um, and understand that it's the people that implement change, not the system or the method that delivers the change. Okay, so um, you've said quite a lot there, um, Chris, and I know that other panellists want to kind of jump in. So we may well come back to you just in a moment. Um, Ron, let's hear from you and then we'll hear from Lauren. <laughs> uh, I, I just, when I put my fingers up at a cross, it was because of the 70%. I think you might know, Nick, that I am, um, 
I think I'm kind of known as a 70% man because that 70% figure is total and utter balderdash. It never existed. Yet it, now it is in folklore. So all I would say is if you're in change and you want to become a change leader, never, ever, ever use the 70% because it's been debunked so many times. It's unbelievable. It's even been debunked by the Oxford Review briefings and various other um, people. And it kind of, how can I put it, gets my back up a little bit every time Every time the 70% is used um, because it's, it's, it's just a, a figure that has been plucked out of the air. So sorry about that, but I had, to, I had to get that in. That's all right. No problem at all. I, I do think that you're you're correct in the sense that there are um, a lot of these things which move from being, you know, if you like, um, uh, statements through to be they, they they take on a life of their own. So it is incumbent on Absolutely. us to be able to you know look out for these things. At the same time, I also you know kind of think about what Chris was saying is that the importance here is not so much the statistic itself. The importance here is to consider how, as an organisation, are we are we setting ourselves up to succeed, or are we actually setting ourselves up to fail? One of the um, uh, most common. And I can only speak from my own experience as a change management consultant. But one of the most common mistakes that the clients made and I made as a change management consultant in my career was to assume far too much. And we assumed that the organization would come on this journey with the same passion and excitement that the project team had. And of course, it's just generally, it's quite often not the case. So we really need to put that how can I put it, the optimism bias, if you like, to one side. And Chris was really saying that, in my opinion. He was kind of saying, put your optimism bias to one side and take this seriously. Because unless you take it seriously, you may not staff up, enable, set yourselves up to succeed, if that makes sense. Okay, um, Lauren, your thoughts on this, please. Yeah, also in regards to how to get involved into this um, area, and basically also start with projects internally. Like there are 100% change initiatives going on and get yourself involved. Speak with the people that are in charge of this and definitely have firsthand experience on what they're doing and learn about what they're, what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, but baby steps. I mean, you just need to get out of your comfort zone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Get out of that comfort zone. That's that's certainly a whole kind of part of this process, isn't it? And in terms of starting to become a change leader as well, the, the, there are some other elements. I genuinely would recommend um, that you look at some formal um, uh, education, whether it be through mentoring and coaching from somebody that you can relate to and you know is a good experienced um, change leader themselves, or alternatively through taking some structured education and training and certification. And the reason why I say that is you need to be confident in the language that you are using. And that language um, needs to change in the situation and the audience that you are working with. So it will give you great inner strength and fortitude to be able to lead change when you have that knowledge underpinning 
the thought processes and the techniques and the methods and the tools that you are using. So I would say it's hard to acquire that early career um, at an accelerated rate unless you go down that route of finding a mentor, find a coach, find um, some education and training, and do take those certifications because it can really accelerate um, your career towards becoming a change leader in the future. So very good. Thank you very much indeed, um, Charlotte, for raising the question with us. Let's move on and let's have a look actually at what's been happening over on social media. Um, we've got Rajesh joining us um, from Dubai. Good to have you online today, um, my friend. And uh, also um, Jibulili uh, joining from South Africa in Johannesburg, wonderful city, um, Johannesburg. Um, one of my favourite places in South Africa to visit. So thank you for joining. And um, uh, Sabasis as well, um, joining us from India is really great. We've got some comments, I think, over in the chat as well online. Uh, people kind of coming back and talking to the panel and reflecting on um, what the panel are actually saying. Deepa's comment there talking about you know, the relevance of change management and you know, thinking about how these might fit into um, the way in which you manage projects and programs um, uh, is a very important element because you're trying to dovetail in the work that you are doing alongside colleagues. So thank you, Deepa, for giving us those insights and those thoughts really good and robert's comments of course about you know considering that organizational change comes in different flavors you know from those things which are kind of naturally planned if you like or you know underdeveloped under development and um the things which can really come at you from the left field so um <laughs> and i think as a technical term there from robert um, unless you understand human behavior then you are toast Fantastic. Thank you, Robert. I'd, I'd like to add that actually into the, uh, if there's anybody watching and listening who manages the change management frameworks, um, you know, let's add toast, okay, into the uh, lexicon for people to be able to consider because um, it's, it's a good word to use. Thank you very much, Robert. Brilliant. Let's move on then. Finally, um, uh, we'll welcome um, uh, Ijoma. Uh, from Aberdeen in Scotland, but I think we should press on and take our next question, if we can, Sachitra, thanks. We have a live question from Namdi Waiwu. Change may cause scope creep. How can a change leader effectively manage this? Well, this is most definitely a collaboration between the change leader, who may be a key influencer here, and the project or programme manager who is responsible for the delivery, if you like, of the transformation program overall. Um, Chris, in real life, <laughs> these leadership roles very much dovetail into each other. Sometimes they're performed by the same person. Often it's good to have separate people. How do you see that working in your experience? Um, it, it's a bit of a dilemma because project management is, is about managing the scope. Change is about learning as you go on the journey. And what you think you're going to start with isn't what you even three steps down the road end up with. Um, and so scope creep, I, I, it, it, I would rather use the term do by learning. You're learning about um, behavior. You're learning about people, how people are reacting. And you have to be able to change your own sort of approach or modify your own approach as you're going through the change. 
So I think if we call that scope three, that, um, that doesn't really describe what that change journey is. Now, scope three, from a project point of view, you know, usually has sort of resources, more resources involved, more money involved. But this is part of the problem of the, that first question about sort of leading change. Shouldn't all sort of managers be able to lead change? It's understanding the dynamic of what's happening in the change, which is very different to trying to manage a scope as a project or, or, or a program manager. So you have to look at them in two different, two, two different lenses, in my opinion. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I agree with you. The phrase scope creep sounds negative. Okay, right, right from the outset, mm. and I and I do think that you know there are elements of, um, uh, as you say, learn learning from the reality that just because it's on a Gantt chart that we're going to get this done by then, or, or just just because it says this is the scope and this is not the scope, um, all good projects, all good programs, all good portfolio managers look at the reality and review and consider and so on. So if there's something that's going to impact that critical path that needs more time, needs more resource, needs more energy, I, I don't necessarily see that as a negative thing because yeah. you're about trying to deliver benefits ultimately. And if the benefits can't be delivered because you've not paid enough attention earlier on, then um, after all, that you know you may be contributing to the problem rather than the solution good point very well made thank you chris um ron your thoughts on this uh it's kind of a kind of um trying to understand the context of the question because it, it just says change may cause scope creep um at first i think i'd um first of all i'd argue against that it's not change that causes scope creep it's probably the underestimation of complexity of what what the project is delivering causes scope creep because all of a sudden in the middle of the project you mind or find all of a sudden oh we forgot about this piece of um um so the business piece of the solution so um the other side of the coin is if you mean scope creep in context of say business readiness so as a change manager you measure business readiness here and you're finding that the business are not ready so you are having to say to the powers that be, the, the um, steering board or whatever, that the business will not be ready. Why? Because they're not getting the communication they need, et cetera, et cetera. That could cause scope creep. Scope creep in the context of, well, it may delay the project, but it is arguable that anybody ever takes any notice of the change manager when it comes to actually delivering go live. Because from a personal perspective, I've been involved in um, projects where I've delivered um, a message that said, sorry, I don't think you're ready to go live because the training was not effective, et cetera. And I've just been told, it doesn't matter, we're going live anyway. So I'm kind of not quite understanding the question because I don't think the change leader is the person that manages the scope creep. I think it's either the project manager, the program manager, or the change manager that manages the scope creep. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, you know a partnership. It's definitely a partnership, and uh, I think that you have an influence, most certainly as the change leader, um, over how it is managed. Um, but you're not necessarily the decision maker, all right? And um, in all of that, you're absolutely right. Mart, final thoughts on this. 
I would say uh, to this question, change, I mean, is inevitable. Also, when you go through a change program, change, changes will happen. So, uh, so during a change program, there will be changes. Uh, they may happen. They may, may come up. So lead with confidence and build uh, trust. I would say that would be a way to manage these because uh, expect that this will happen. So it's just part of life. <laughs> it's a good point. If you are at the point in your project planning where you have zero contingency left, then perhaps consider that um, as, as being, you know, um, uh, an error on the side of trying to predict the contingency in the first place. So we do need to learn those lessons, don't we? And we do need to think that, you know, how adaptable are we during the delivery of a certain project? Very good. Let's move on. We've got lots of questions. We've got a very active audience <coughs> today. So, Sushitra, um, if we can, we'll have our next question, please. We have the next question from Manoj. How best can the change lead engage positively with people to use a new agile mindset during the journey of change implementation? Hmm. It's a really good question, this Manoj. So thank you very much for asking it. Um, certainly agility when it comes to the way in which we approach, approach problems is quite an important part of accepting change and really bringing it into our own lives and our own behaviors. Um, Chris, let's start, you, let's start off with you. Um, I, I love this question. Um, thank you very much, uh, Manoj. To me, Agile is about a behavior change. It, it's, you, you can't implement Agile as a methodology. You have to think about the behaviors that, are, that you need to display if you're going to work with agility as opposed to Agileism as a methodology. And we talked about the complexity of change uh, right at the beginning. And if you're trying to be an agile organization rather than develop something in using the agile sort of methodology, you can't do that unless you have different behaviors and you can't get to different behaviors unless you have different thinking. And in my experience, an organization has to provide the context in which agility will work. So this is about a business change to be able to work in an agile sort of way, to be able to behave with agility, to be able to think like agility. But this is where we were saying right at the beginning about the complexity of change. Leading that change, working with agile approaches needs to have that behavioral change. And the change leader must understand that and be able to orchestrate that change of thinking and the change of behavior to get to people working in a different way. Okay, all right. Thanks very much indeed, Chris. Um, just one thought for you, um, Manoj, before we hear from Lauren, is to consider um, uh, there's, there's a line from the lean um, method or the a lean um, uh, approach here, which is to go and ask questions, but to ask with respect. So um, thinking about how do you engage people and help them to adopt a more agile mindset is um, I would suggest place the emphasis on asking really great questions because questions actually are often the way to unlock um, intransigence in people. By asking questions, you can get people to think a little differently and that might be just the catalyst that you need. Lauren, your thoughts on this, please. 
Yes, also by um, engaging them into positive conversation. It's also like celebrating those mini milestones while going through this change initiative, because also by celebrating these changes and showing how it's actually going well and everything like that during this journey, you're also presenting how successful it's already been, what kind of positive impacts it has had already on the employees, as well as uh, management. And you can therefore, you know, get positive behavior also from those employees who are experiencing this journey. Excellent point. Thank you very much indeed. Really, really good. Um, thank you very much indeed, panel. Uh, Sachitra, uh, let's move on. We'll take our next question, please. We have another live question from Nazia. Why is change leadership not welcomed in the conventional work environment? Is it hard for upper management to adopt the change leadership style? Uh, Chris, why is it so tricky? Um, uh, again, I'm going from my experience. Lots of people, senior people in organizations, um, have been brought up in what I regard as the, if you like, the the template of running big organizations. And that's sort of thinking vertically. It's thinking about running an operation. And the playbook was written 250 plus years ago. Um, when we're talking about um, change, whether it's uh, any level of the three that I mentioned earlier on, that's horizontal thinking. And that's really sort of understanding how the, the organization is, is interconnected and systemic. Um, and so that's why I think it's hard. Um, but that doesn't mean that's impossible to do. And a lot, of, um, a lot of senior people have a lot of personal risk when it comes to investing within, within change and transformation. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of these people haven't had experience of doing it themselves. Um, and so I think it's, it's hard um, because in the conventional work environment run by people who have been doing it for a long time, um, the risk is there for them personally. The risk is there to the brand. And one has to engage. One has to really sort of lead from the front. Um, but understand that this is a personal journey that these senior people are going through as well. And they need to be supported in that. Yeah, very good point, Didi. Thank you very much indeed. Lauren and then Rob. Yeah, I think I just want to add that basically because in the conventional work environment it wasn't present, I mean, people are scared of that change as well, because basically you're telling people like, you know, you would benefit from having a change leader in your organization. But also some people just don't want to give that authority to anyone else because, I mean, they are already in leadership. You know, things have been going well. We've all heard this before. Oh, why change something if it's already going well? Whereas, you know, these aren't really communicated accordingly or you know management doesn't like to budge on that i have my fair share of experience in that area so um yeah i think it's also just a, a fear of the unknown because it is quite a new structure and while the in america you know you have many organizations who have adopted to this um it's still very underpresented in emia i believe Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And some good observations, everybody. We've got time to squeeze in one last question. If we really, really hurry up, Suchitra, let's take our final question for the panel, please. Our last question is from Mohammed Hussein. Do you have any learning resources on how to become a change leader? 
ideas, learning resources? What would you recommend um, websites to go to? Uh, I'll start off. Um, there are plenty. I would look at the Agile Change community. It's very, very relevant at the moment. We also have um, uh, the work that Lauren is doing, um, looking at building communities. Communities are fantastic places to work with in the change environment, okay? So I would start there. Find yourself a mentor. Find yourself a community. There are plenty online. And a great starting point for everybody on this um, event today is to connect with the panel, um, whose LinkedIn connections are actually listed on the event page on apnginternational.com. Um Anybody else, panel, resources that you would like to recommend super quickly um, for Mohammed? Chris? Um, there's a, a book which has uh, recently been published by um, a, a good friend of mine called Adrian Pine, which is called Agile Beyond IT. Uh, don't be put off by the title Agile. Um, the content of the book, it's an easy read, um, and, and it talks about leading change as opposed to Agile is the vehicle for that change, but I would recommend that to to our readers. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> okay, and I have to say, actually, Adrian was on um, an episode uh, a few weeks ago and very kindly and sent me a copy of it. So um, it is. I can absolutely attest to that, Chris. It's a really well written and um, very accessible for people and a great start um, for you. Anybody else? Panel kind of recommend learning resources before we wrap up today's show? Lauren? Here, APMG. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it here. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you very much. It is a really good point, isn't it? Um, the whole point about APMG, of course, is that we have um, communities all around the world, all right, for you to be able to access and join in with and tap into. Um, we have more than 200 panelists now through the Level Up programs that run Mondays and Fridays. And um, we have an extensive portfolio of certifications and accredited training companies who can really help you structure your learning, you know, and accelerate your career and really level up your career and hence the name of the show so very good point thank you lauren for for recommending us that's very kind of you we do appreciate it all right excellent um thank you very much indeed um everybody we're going to move to closing remarks um next so um chris if i may um your thoughts on today's event um i great questions i think that um uh, it has been really enjoyable sort of reading the questions and answering them. Um, what I would say is that change is not sort of binary. It's not one thing. You know, change for an organization is complex. Um, and as we said right at the beginning, the key for me is understand the change, understand the level of change, understand the elements of that change, the people, the behaviors, the culture, as well as the structures. Um, and if one takes that broad view, you're starting off in the right direction. Um, who knows where that might help you end up? Thank you very much indeed. Um, Ron, final thoughts, and then we'll hear from Mark. As ever, great question, great audience. Uh, loved answering the questions, even if they were slightly off the wall, but then um, that's me. <laughs> um, what can I say? You know, I'll be back for the next one. And the next one, and the next one. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you very much indeed. We've got some lovely comments as well in the chat today. It's fairly active. So um, I just want to give a bit of a shout out to Robert, who's made a very strong contribution throughout the show. Thank you very much indeed, um, Robert. Some good coaching tips is there as well there, actually, about thinking about the language that we use to refer to different things. And um, Esteban, as ever, uh, joining in, okay? Um, uh, and saying, you know, we need to be true to ourselves, if I'm paraphrasing your comments, um, Esteban, just by saying, you know, be yourself, be authentic. As, what, as somebody once said to me, everybody else is already taken. <laughs> so you need to be yourself. Don't try and pretend to be somebody that you're not. Really good point. Very well made. Thank you so much, Esteban. Um, Mark, final thoughts on today, and then we'll hear from Lauren. Indeed, great questions. Uh, and Wonderful answers. I think I also, again, learned from uh, the panelists, as uh, hopefully also the audience did. Um, so thank you for that. How to become a change leader? It's filled with uh, opportunities. So in other words, uh, definitely something, a career path I would uh, pursue if, uh, if you're into this, because the opportunities uh, are just tremendous, uh, because yeah, change is vital and it's never ending. Oh, absolutely right. Thank you so much indeed. And um, thank you, Jabalili, for um, your uh, kind and generous remarks. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Lauren, your thoughts on today's episode, then we'll hear from Suchitra. I had so much, so much fun. So much fun. Okay. Um, no, I had a lot of fun. Um, it was a great set of questions and great panelists overall. So I was really happy to be part of this one. Um, and I hope to be back in the future as well. Um, and for anyone who's really considering and going into change management, dive head first. Like literally, you will make mistakes along the way. Don't get me wrong. You will probably experience imposter syndrome along the way. But really embrace it because this is exactly where you're going to get the experience and this will make you more of an expert in that field. So don't be afraid of making those errors. We have all done them. We have all experienced them. And literally just be confident in what you're doing. Like really, no worries about it. <laughs> it's a very good point that you make. We do question ourselves. <clears throat> excuse me, we set the barrier very high, I think, on ourselves. And so that sense of, you know, am I am I really, can I really say these things, does come up from time to time. Um, but by relaxing and by asking questions rather than making statements, you can overcome that imposter syndrome and um, ensure that you are actually becoming the catalyst that helps others to change. All right, so I completely agree with that, Lauren. And if we were looking for a great example of somebody who's done that already in their career, it is you. So fantastic shout out. So thank you very much indeed. Um, Suchitra, your thoughts on today's episode? I enjoyed the show, Nick. A special thank you to our panelists and our viewers, especially our live viewers, for sending in questions. And just a special shout out to our viewers who want to become panelists. We have posted a link in the chat. Please use that. We would love to have you join us or get in touch and we'll advise you. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Um, to everybody on behalf of um, the team here at APNG, thank you very much, panellists. And as Suchitra has said, thank you to our producers who 
are everybody who's online. You make the show. It's your questions. After all, the entire hour is driven by you. Now, over on our website, you can, of course, search for answers to all of the previously submitted questions. Um, there's more than 1,500 of them over there and connect with more than 200 experts from around the world. Don't forget, you can listen to the audio version of the shows on your preferred podcast platform. Just search for Level Up Your Career with APMG. Take a moment, please, to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Um, sounds a lot, but it doesn't take a very long, does it really? Um, especially the videos on YouTube, please, because it helps others to discover our content as you have discovered it. So that could be your change leadership moment today to actually do that and help other people find their way to the Level Up series. Looking forward now on Friday uh, this week at 2 p.m. GMT, we're going to be looking at careers as a PMO specialist before um, moving, if you like, into how to build a career as a project manager. So PMOs and project management offices um, are highly related and very closely related to project management, of course, and those two worlds are, you know, stitched together from top to bottom. Um, so PMO specialists this Friday, 2 p.m., and then project management um, as a subject by itself on Monday morning at 8 a.m. GMT. For colleagues in Poland, we've got an exciting opportunity coming up. It's a local language show on the 31st. Um, I don't speak Polish. So Sabina Bianeka, who runs our business in Poland, she's going to be in the chair and she's going to be leading a panel discussion on how to um, explore really the world of design thinking and think about how design thinking can really help you deliver real innovation in your organization. Subscribe to the show and we will send you a personal summary of what's coming up and how you too can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. Thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you next time.